Hi, and welcome back to the RRUMC podcast, and we are continuing our series on spiritual disciplines. Um, last week, we talked about meditation, and the week before that, we talked about fasting. So um, we're really hoping that you're enjoying um, this podcast. I know Paul and I are enjoying um, reading through um, the book, The Celebration of Disciplines, so we're getting a lot of material from there, <coughs> but also material from Scripture from our own experiences as well. Um, but it's really been a great study, especially during the season of Lent, um, to really focus in on the inward um, reality of Christ and God, and also um, working on the outward expression of that inward reality um, in, in, this lessons, um, in this lesson on spiritual disciplines. So this week we're going to be talking about um, simplicity. Simplicity is um, the next spiritual discipline we're going to talk about this week, and I'm really excited about um, to share the information that we've gathered on on this topic. And I think Scripture has a lot to say, um, and I think it can be really helpful for our lives um, as we talk about simplicity. So, Paul, you want to open us up with some general ideas and sure simplicity? Yeah, let's let's see where this takes us. Uh, if you've been with us the first two weeks, you know Stephen and I have been trying to experiment with each of these disciplines uh, as we study them and <laughs> live them out and come back to you with results. So we, we debated you know, over the last few weeks how we would experiment with simplicity over the course of one week, and uh, we, <laughs> we didn't come up with anything uh, really, really exciting or, or reasonable to, uh, to implement this discipline. So uh, we'll, we'll share our thoughts near the end. Uh, we tossed around ideas like you know trying to uh, to go on a week-long vacation and and um, <laughs> spend some time in solitude and and simplicity, but we didn't think that that would work too well with with our current responsibilities. Nope. Um, but simplicity is, uh, I think, an incredibly important discipline that, uh, much like the two we've already covered, and this is becoming a theme, is is often neglected uh, amongst Christians today. What we're doing here as we switch to, to simplicity is we're transitioning from inward disciplines, though, to outward uh, disciplines. So the next two weeks uh, and, and next week will be outward disciplines. Um, really, the, the primary change is uh, what you can already infer from the name. These relate to our interaction with the world. It doesn't mean there's not an inward component, uh, but they relate then to how we express and, uh, ourselves and interact with the world around us. Um, and, and Foster, Richard Foster, the author of uh, Celebration of Discipline that Stephen was referring to, uh, refers to simplicity as an inward reality that results in an outward lifestyle. Uh, so it has both pieces, and, and each of these uh, on some level have both pieces, the inward and the outward pieces. And uh, so it begins on the inside, much like everything in our faith, that it must begin with internal change, internal uh, transformation, and that is expressed then on the outside. Some would uh, try to approach simplicity without the inward piece, and what you end up with is, is what Foster refers to as legalism. You're trying to change how you live and how you express um, you know, your, your lifestyle and, and how you engage time and possessions and all those things, but you haven't really changed on the inside, so it's, it's really just change for change's uh, sake and uh, defines this as, as legalism. Uh, but if we change on the inside, automatically we should change on the outside, right? So Foster uh, talks about how uh, simplicity, embracing this notion of simplicity on the inside, leads to our, our speech becoming more honest, more straightforward. We we don't care as much about status and, and position. Uh, we don't feel this this constant need to show off and, and present ourselves in a certain way to people around us and as something that we're not. Uh, so these are just, uh, we're starting to hint at some of the ways uh, that simplicity plays out in our lives or, or the lack thereof uh, can affect us and take over our lives. Our, our contemporary culture, Foster said, 
doesn't get <laughs> simplicity, doesn't get the inward peace, and doesn't get the outward peace. Uh, one minute we, we act um, out of integrity and honesty and, and uh, something that we really are, but the next minute we're driven instead with the decisions we make and what we say by what others think of us. And, and we're constantly fighting this battle going back and forth between whether we're, we're living uh, as uh, people of integrity and uh, representing who we are on the inside or whether we're being torn back and forth uh, by the the, um, the pressures and uh, the the influences of the people around us and, and the forces around us. Uh, what it comes down to is that our, our society is sick. And I, I, I uh, have no interest in mincing words here, much like Foster did. And our society is sick, and he even describes this lust for affluence as today is mostly going to focus on the, the material possessions piece of simplicity. He describes this lust for affluence and, and for materialism that society is engaged uh, in as psychotic. He uses the word psychotic. This notion that we, we crave things that we don't need, uh, nor do we even really enjoy when it comes down to it. We buy things that we don't really want, uh, at least who we really are. We don't really want these. We want them uh, because we want to impress other people. So the only reason we want to purchase this object or, or have or use this object is because of what we think it will uh, represent us as to, to people around us. Uh, he talked about how uh, even the, the people that we look up to are heroes in our society instead of um, instead of looking for heroes uh, from people who who maybe start uh, wealthy or, or middle class in life and uh, willingly choose to give it up and live this life of simplicity instead we uh, we want to model our lives after or, or we look up to and are inspired by people who start uh, small and make it their life's goal to obtain things, status and, and possessions. And, and as impressive as that can be and as unique as that can be, uh, not necessarily who we should be emulating and, and uh, trying to model our, our lives after. Uh, other ways that our society is sick, he talks about um, how it manipulates us to see covetousness as uh, simply ambition. We're not really coveting the, the, the things of the people around us. We're just being ambitious. We're just working hard and, and trying to achieve. Uh, greed is not really greed. It's just us being industrious, right? So all these different ways of society kind of twists and turns things to make uh, this lifestyle seem okay. And the bottom line here is that if our society is sick and we're adhering to and living within this society and, and submitting to its rules and its ideas, then we too are sick. And, and uh, we need to address that. We, we can't begin to embrace Christian simplicity uh, until we're willing to accept and, and call it as it is. Look at our society, the world around us, and the things that we are embedded in and, and say, you know what, this isn't right. This is messed up. This is backwards. Uh, it's, it's manipulative, and it's unhealthy. Until we're willing to look at society and call it what it is, then there's no chance that we're going to begin to uh, embrace a true experience of, of Christian simplicity. So uh, some groundwork, not necessarily anything uh, <laughs> anything nice and sunshiny, warm and fuzzy yet here, Stephen, but uh, some groundwork to, to build upon for, as Christians, how we begin to look at living into the, the Bible's call uh, for us to, to be simple uh, in, in our um in, in our inward experiences and our expression of who we are in life. So uh, next we wanted to take a look at some of the specifics of what the Bible has to say about this or, or topics uh, revolving around simplicity, finances, that sort of thing. So Stephen, what, what do you got for us? Uh, how can we start to, to learn from the Word here? Yeah, so um, before I jump into this biblical, biblical text, um, a few things I want to add to about simplicity. Um, all the things that Paul said, I completely agree with. Um, but simplicity isn't just about living without stuff. Um, even those who don't have a lot still love money and still want stuff. And um, But it's about an inward trust in God. Um, so we want to make sure that simplicity isn't just give all your stuff away and now you've, you've reached that um, simplicity lifestyle. Um, because again, as Paul said, we want to avoid legalism because it's very easy to appear to be simplistic, but with inwardly still 
yearning for um, the possessions and the money. I mean, that's another thing. Simplicity is about enjoying possessions without them destroying us or without them controlling us. Or <laughs> I like to put so many, so often our, our possessions become our obsession um, and that we become so consumed by what we possess that they actually start possessing us um, and we start following um, that idol. So simplicity really is about um, getting rid of those idols and, and allowing, um, most directly allowing the Lord to guide our lives and, and, and trust. And we'll, we'll talk more about that as well. Um, but there's a verse in, in Scripture I, I think is just fantastic about it speaks directly to um, our really our American culture, our Western culture. Um, and, and the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 12 verses or verse 14 and 15. Well, specifically verse 15 Jesus so someone the context is that someone asked Jesus to um, he wanted um, Jesus to help divide the wealth between him and his brother and then Jesus replied uh, man who appointed me as a judge or an arbiter between you and then verse 15 is really good he says then he said to them watch out be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Um, and then Jesus goes on to tell a parable about uh, a farmer who had an abundant harvest. And he asked, what should I do with these crops? And so he said, well, I'll just build bigger barns and I'll just fill up my barns with all the surplus of all my crop. Uh, and then God in the parable says, you're a fool because this very, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Um, and then who would get all that all that you prepared for yourself um, so this parable is about um, the storing up of riches without any desire or any thought or any yearning to give away to see the possessions as a gift to see the possessions as um, something that God had given him um, he just wanted to store it up from for himself so something that you know we may see as prudence, but the Lord sees as greed or hoarding or foolishness. Um, and this isn't to say for, I don't know how many farmers we have listening, but <laughs> this isn't to say that you can't build um, f bigger barns to store more grain. It's more about the ad in inward attitude of the farmer him himself that he was like, well, I'm going to store this all up for myself. And I'm not going to give anything away. This is all mine. And now I'm just going to live as rich and wealthy, um, and this this sense of um, inward focus is what Jesus is talking about here. But looking specifically at verse 15, I think it, it speaks directly to our culture where it says, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And I, I, <laughs> I'm sure that Paul and Pastor Paul and Reverend Dan, it's, it's I never really hear those in ministry say, well, someone came to me because they have a greed problem. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, 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 right. Not so much. Right. So there, we have other problems that, that are more easily seen, um, problems with lust, problems with addiction, problems with um, abuse, but a problem with greed. No one, everyone thinks, oh, I don't have a problem with greed. You know, it's one of those silent, subtle, um, subtle temptations or subtle sins that we really don't see. Um, especially in our culture because we always have the mentality like well there's someone who has more than me so I'm not that rich you know everyone literally almost anyone can say that uh, and almost anyone can say well I don't have as that much because look at the person in front of me they have more than I do so I'm not that rich or I'm not a greedy person because yada yada we whenever it comes to the discussion of greed um, our, our first reaction is usually, and myself included, our first reaction is usually self, like self-defense, right? We, we want to kind of defend ourselves against um, the reality of greed. Um, and Jesus says here that all kinds of greed, right? And, and he, what he also I think is important here, he says life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And I think so often in America, we think the more you have, the more, you, the better your life is, right? We 
we kind of equate um, a one-to-one that we say, I have a lot of stuff, that means my life is going really well. Or what we tend to do is we look at celebrities or athletes and you're like, why are you so mopey? Why are you so sad? Don't you look at all, don't you see all the stuff that you have? You should be happy. Um, and, and I've heard that a lot on ESPN and, and other sh- network shows and stuff. They'll say that, why, why isn't this person happy? They have so much stuff. And what Jesus is saying is that um, their life does not consist in the abundance of their possessions. Um, just because someone has a lot of stuff does not mean they're living a full life. As a matter of fact, they can be very dead inside and all the stuff can be, be actually absolutely meaningless and actually make things feel worse because because society tells them they should be happy but they don't feel happy with all that they have um, so Jesus is pointing to a greater life um, than um, than the deception of possessions means a full life so um, again that kind of goes to simplicity looking um, solely at um, trust in the Lord um, trusting him and then actually we're going to jump to what Paul says that um, really gets to the heart of simplicity um, in Matthew. Yeah, good stuff, Stephen. It's uh, absolutely true that uh, our, our life is not summed up by the possessions that we have, and, and often uh, those two variables, you know, our happiness and, and our wealth, uh, right. move in opposite directions. <laughs> and right. and uh, we could talk all day about the reasons for that, but right. it, it is uh, no doubt a, a pattern. Right that exists and, and the Bible addresses it uh, head on and, and I think that's one of the biggest problems we have with our our approach to this topic is uh, a lot of folks just write off what the Bible has to say about money and right. uh, some will know that the Bible actually has more to say about money than any other topic right. so there's a lot of material in the Bible about money but we write it off um, and and we say it doesn't apply to us for, for one of two reasons I would say <laughs> one is uh, that it's it's open to interpretation, so we can read something that right. Jesus says, and we can say, well, it's you know, where do I fit in this? Um, right. You know, kind of place ourselves wherever we want in relation to the people around us, and we can say, well, it doesn't apply to us exactly the way uh, it, it comes across, and and so we write it off and and choose to ignore it, or. Uh, we say, well, Jesus was uh, talking to this culture or this group of people or this individual in this circumstance. Uh, I hear this a lot with the the rich young ruler. You know, Jesus's conversation with the rich young ruler, in which he told the the young man to sell all he had and, and give his money to the poor, and, and the man couldn't bring himself to do that. And a lot of people say, well, you know, he was really just talking to the rich young ruler who had a, a particular struggle with uh, wealth and and its influence over him, and, and that may be the case to some extent. But I think it's we have to be real careful about applying uh, that concept here or or across the board. Uh, Jesus was also having a a one to one conversation with Nicodemus when he uh, when he told him uh, the the verse the uh, the sentence that we hear in John three sixteen. Um, that uh, he sent his only son to save us from our sins. So I don't think that applied only to Nicodemus any more than the the comment he made to the rich young ruler applied only to the rich young ruler. So we do have to be careful um, with how we how we approach Scripture and how quick we are um, because of, as Stephen was saying, how, how defensive we get about this, how quick we are to, to write it off. The Bible directly engages uh, topics of, of money and, and uh, caution about money in numerous different ways. It talks about the importance of not exploiting the poor, not accumulating uh, wealth. Uh, the Old Testament even speaks uh, against the right to own property, which sounds preposterous to us <laughs> in this day and age, but it was it was something that God instructed the Israelites not to do. There was the, the concept of the year of Jubilee, um, when every so often, I'm trying to remember if it's every 50 years or so, yeah, uh, but the uh, the Israelites were required to, uh, any, any servants, indentured servants of, of any sort that were working for them, they were freed from their obligation. Any land that they quote unquote possessed uh, was was let go, and uh, they returned back to the original land, the plot that they uh, the, that they once lived on. Uh, anybody who had accumulated a lot of land or a lot of property every fifty years or so with the year of jubilee, it was redistributed uh, in even proportions around to all the people. You know, so these these concepts are are fully ingrained. Uh, in the Word of God, and, and Jesus 
comes on the scene in the New Testament, he's not silent about it in, in any way, uh, shape, or form either. Uh, his conversation with the, the rich young ruler, and then he goes on to tell his disciples it's easier for a, a camel to go through the eye of a needle uh, than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. It's uh, it talks about the importance of, of uh, choosing one master. You can't serve both God and money. Uh, if you're if you're serving money, then you, you can't at the same time truly be serving God. You know, so Jesus hits this stuff head on. And the, the passage that uh, Matthew or Matthew, who are you, Stephen? <laughs> uh, yeah, there should well, be a Matthew, book of Stephen. Matthew is my middle name, so is it really? Yeah. No way. Yeah. So okay. anyone could use that on any trivia question or something like that. Uh, do you mind if I just start calling you Matthew? <laughs> I probably won't answer, but oh, oh you yeah. just don't like your middle name. No. No. No, I like my middle name. We'll have to have that conversation <laughs> later. Right. All right. Uh, you got me all thrown off now. Matthew is the 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 passage <laughs> we're going to. <laughs> Matthew six twenty five to thirty three. So before we before we read this, let me set it up for a second. So the Bible addresses simplicity, it addresses issues of money and wealth and and uh, such head on. Um, but if if we're going to live uh, simplistically, uh, simplistically, is yeah. that right? Simplistically, if we're going to take this notion seriously and start to adopt it for ourselves, and we are going to avoid the pitfall of uh, legalism, if we're truly going to change on the inside and express that on the outside and, and do this in a healthy Christian way, uh, Foster in his book says we have to have a, a goal, we have to have a focal point. There has to be an end beyond beyond just I'm going to shed money or we need to redistribute wealth in the world or we need to protect the environment or it, th those can't be the end the end has to be uh, whatever Jesus says the end should be and uh, that's exactly what he's driving at here in Matthew 6 uh, verses 25 to 33 therefore I tell you he says do not worry about your life what you will eat or drink or about your body what you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes look at the birds of the air they do not sow or reap or store away in barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them are you not much more valuable than they can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life why do you worry about clothes see how the flowers of the field grow they don't labor or spin yet i tell you that not even solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. This is the focal point. This is what it comes down to. This is the end. Everything else that we talk about is the means to this end. Simplicity is the means to this end to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. So this is what simplicity is all about. Just like fasting. It's not about it's not about, you know, eating less, losing weight, dieting. It's not about that. It's about seeking first God's kingdom and his righteousness. So Foster takes us a step further. He starts breaking it down, and he uh, pulls in a, a passage from a book by Soren Kierkegaard, um, and uh, he's an uh, excellent author who I wish I, I wish I could tell you more about right now <laughs> other than, than I, I've read one of his books and really enjoyed it. Um, but uh, Kierkegaard tackles this, this concept of what does it look like to seek first the kingdom of God? How do we go about that? And he starts uh, throwing out these thoughts. So it doesn't mean that we're, we need to find a, 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 an influential job so that we can pour into the people around us and, and share our faith with them. And he says, no, uh, that's not what it's about. It's about seeking first the kingdom of God. And he says, well, does it doesn't mean we should go out into the world to preach the gospel to everybody that we see. No, uh, seek first the kingdom of God. That's really what it's about. He says, well, does it mean that we should give away everything uh, to the poor and, and, uh, and cleanse ourselves of our possessions? He says, no, it's about seeking first the kingdom of God. So bottom line is to seek first the kingdom of God is, is nothing that we must do Rather, it means to become nothing before God, to, to keep silent and let God pour into you. So 
friends, the, the end is seeking first the kingdom, and seeking first the kingdom just means being in relationship with God, seeking God. It's really that simple. All this other stuff that we want to, you know, we want to put before that or substitute that with, I'm, I'm seeking God by, you know, uh, shedding possessions. I'm seeking God by uh, eating less. I'm seeking God by, you know, journaling or whatever. All of that stuff is means to an end. And the, the end is seeking first uh, God and, and his kingdom and his righteousness. So that's what uh, that's what simplicity has to be about. Um, so that's uh, front and, and center here. And anything else that we put before that is going to pull us off course. Uh, and and uh, Foster also addresses the question, how do we know if we're accomplishing this? You know, how, what's the measurement? Uh, how can we tell how we're doing with this? And um, he, he says that uh, three attitudes um, tell us if we're accomplishing this. And, and each of these attitudes will lead to what Jesus described in this Matthew 6 passage, a life of less anxiety. We're not worried about uh, whether we're going to have what we need. We're not worried about um, what people think of us. We're not worried about keeping up with the Joneses, right? If we seek first God's kingdom, we will have less anxiety and it will show because of these three attitudes. One, we'll recognize that everything that we have is a gift from God. Maybe we worked, maybe we had a, a part in accumulating whatever it is, whatever possessions we have, but ultimately that does not change the fact that we have it because it's a gift from God. God gave us the ability to work. God blessed us with these uh, returns from our efforts. Everything that we have is a gift from God. Number two, what we do have, we trust God to care for. We don't obsess about uh, whether it's in great shape. We don't obsess about protecting it from outsiders or, or making sure that it's uh, we pad our, our numbers. We trust that God is going to take care of it. Of course, common sense. Yeah, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna uh, take care of your clothes by washing them every so often. <laughs> you're gonna take care of your house by keeping it picked up. But we're not gonna obsess about it to the point where we put that first before other things. We trust that God is is gonna take care of us and uh, the blessings He's given us. And number three, what we have is available to others. What we have is available to others. So if it's a gift from God, it's not really ours in the first place. It, it remains God. God's blessing us with it for a time. He's investing in us by, by granting us these, these blessings. But it's not ours to dictate uh, who it belongs to, where it goes. If God puts somebody in front of you, puts a need in front of you, and you have the ability to meet that need, uh, then there's a, a sense of freedom that simplicity gives us that we can just surrender whatever it is, uh, whether it's our money, it's our possessions, our time to meet that need. And uh, the freedom is uh, the word that rings true for me. It's it's a sense of freedom uh, that it's not ours. It never was. We enjoy it maybe for a time, uh, but we enjoy just as much surrendering it back over to God's purposes uh, in, in somebody else's life or, or, or to meet some other need. So the Bible, you know, we we could commit a whole series uh, podcast to, to uh, talking about what the Bible has to say about money. Uh, but it's in, in regards to simplicity. Uh, these are some of the important points. And I think that that focal point of knowing at the end of the day, this is what it's really about. Seeking first God's kingdom is where we have to, to rest uh, our, our heads and, and stay focused on. Uh, but we have some uh, some more material for you. we got a, a bit of a, uh, a list here that we want to put in front of you. Uh, Stephen, are we ready for that? Yep. So we have, uh, so at the end of his chapter, Richard Foster's chapter on simplicity, he gave 10 points of um, kind of 10 practical points of how we could live um, more a more simplistic life. And of course, we caution that um, we, we need to avoid legalism because the, the real importance is the inward change. We must have that inward change as Paul just talked about, the desire for the kingdom of God above all else and um, that desire of trusting in the Lord. And when that in rea inward reality um, we continue to grasp it in reality and live into it, it's going to result into an outward expression. Um, so stressing that. And, and of course, this is also the thing too, sometimes we think we must have the perfect inward, inward reality before we act. And that's because mm. then we'll never act because we're never going to be perfect in our inward reality. But, uh, but it is something that we're working towards and it's something that should result in a change um, of outward expression. So 
say that all in that there's say that with there's 10 points that he kind of used practical points of simplicity so um, the first one was choosing usefulness over status um, so that's maybe choosing um, things that may not be um, I don't know particularly what's the word pretty or yeah, impressive impressive or, yeah. or but choosing anything that has a more practical reality to it um what's, what's a simple example maybe choosing the minivan over the suv but you don't want to drive the minivan because it looks like a minivan but <laughs> it's more practical <laughs> Imagine for the, that, yeah. practical for the family something like that um number two Number two uh, is the idea of rejecting anything that begins to produce an addiction in you. Uh, so it could be food or and, and drinks. Um, as I list these off, I <laughs> this is painful because I know I've been guilty of all of these at different points in my life, and probably right now am uh, <laughs> several of these. But but different food and drinks. Um, maybe it's uh, you're, you're hooked on a specific TV show or form of entertainment. Uh, believe it or not, like no matter what it is, if, if you're addicted to it, if it keeps drawing you back and you feel like it's con beginning to control you and dictate your time and your focus, um, it, it can be a, a bad thing, an, an idol. Uh, even books, you know, I would love to see my kids sit around reading books all day, but if they place that before uh, God and, and before um, ultimately what God is calling them to do in their lives, it becomes a, an idol and addiction. Uh, so food and drinks, TV, uh, you know, computer, uh, gadgets, you know, this notion of, of having all these electronic gadgets around us uh, is, is uh, can be unhealthy. And um, how do we know if we're getting addicted to something? It start, starts to, uh, we start to have these compulsions, like, you know, we'll be driving down the street and we'll be heading for uh, some appointment and we'll notice, oh, there's a this store over here that uh, sells this thing that uh, is calling my name right now and so we make this detour you know we, it starts popping up in different places in our lives more often than than it should um so yeah the the idea of um shedding anything and, and it, i really think it's got to be cold jerky in most cases anything that's creating an addiction in you all right yeah and just expanding that definition of addic addiction isn't just so often we think of drugs or pornography or something like that but addiction can go much further than, than that um number three uh give things away and of course it's pretty self-explanatory um because it's, it's seeing everything that we talked about earlier seeing everything as a gift from god um that what we have is when we see things as a gift of god it does it's not saying that we didn't earn it or work for it because i know in america we're all there's a lot of uh we're really big about we achieved the American dream and pulling ourselves by our own bootstraps and we did this all on our own and we had this wonderful idea and it's it's mine 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 um, but the reality is the Lord <laughs> plays such a huge part in our ability to achieve what we have achieved um, and when we I mean we really when we sit and think deeply on what we have achieved we, we can see the hand of God working and every aspect of what we've done so when we um, grow into that reality and realize that reality um, I think is it gets easier to give things away because we see how things have been given to us to mm. get to where we're at so um, but yeah that's number three and, and there's a reason that these are called disciplines friends right. <laughs> it's not right. supposed to it's, be a, yeah, not a pleasant experience necessarily right. and uh, I think so. We, we have right. to be disciplined, right. and it's a and it's one of those know thyself things, right? right? Uh, th I think one of the examples Foster gave in a book is somebody who uh, was was uh, pretty much um, attached to their big screen TV. It was like their greatest, uh, their most right. exciting possession, and they began to recognize that it did have that hold over them, and. They decided, yeah, cold turkey, I guess one day, I'm, I'm going to find somebody who needs a TV and I'm going to take my TV that, that I quote unquote earned with my money and my hard work and uh, I'm just going to I'm just gonna part with it. I'm going to be done with it and bless somebody else at the same time. Right. So giving things away, not just like things that are used up that we don't want or, <laughs> or need anymore. If something has hold over you, uh, then it's time, to, it's time to get it out of your life uh, is really what it comes down to. Number four, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna read it to you how Foster said it, and then we'll put it in English <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> 
he, he uses these words. He says, refuse to be propagandized by the custodians of modern gadgetry. So you can hit pause and take a second to try and figure out what it means, or you just let me explain it. Uh, basically, modern gadgetry, this notion um, that uh, people who create and, and uh, manufacture uh, modern gadgets, electronics and stuff, um, they want us to have this constant thirst for the, the next best thing, the, the new feature, the new gadget. Um, and and uh, they want us to be... Uh, looking for things that are going to quote unquote make our lives easier or more exciting. Um, they want to be able to tell us, oh, it'll pay for itself in six months because it's going to save you time or you're going to uh, not have to use this thing anymore. Guess what? It, it's all it's all marketing. It's all manipulation. We don't have to replace our phone just because a new one came out yesterday. You know, we don't have to get a new car just because, the, uh, you know, uh, Ford changed the way they the their this model looks and we got to get the new one because it's different than the old one that we have, you know. We, we need to uh, not allow ourselves to be manipulated by this, this type of uh, thinking and, and propaganda. All right. Uh, so that means, Paul, you're not upgrading your phone for a while now. So. No, yeah. It's a, <laughs> this is my phone. I'm stuck with it. But it takes good care of me, yeah. you know, so it is what it is. Uh, number five, enjoy without owning, um, which is – an interesting thing because we've we're kind of in our society there's a lot of like makes me think of like airbnb and um uber and stuff like that so we we've kind of in society it's kind of been somewhat of a societal push of like more share oriented focus um but also what foster says in the book he says owning things can be an obsession in our culture he says if we own it we feel like we can control it and if we can control it we feel like it gives us more pleasure the idea is an illusion many things in life can be enjoyed without possessing or controlling them so um just the reality of like we we don't necessarily need to own everything we have and i guess that goes to back to giving things away um it's much easier to when we don't have that um, desire of possessing it it's much easier to give it away when, when we see even what we buy we can say oh i'm going to use this for a certain time and then i'm going to give it to someone else because i no longer need it mm-hmm. um and again that, like what paul said we don't use it all up and like take the empty glue bottle like well don't need the rest of this let me go, <laughs> share, let me go share it give it away right um but yeah i think that's a really good principle um enjoying things without owning it um and again, I also want to say, just kind of a disclaimer, um, for Paul and I, neither one of us have <laughs> achieved these um, these uh, points, so we're not like some sages in our white to- white ivory towers and saying, oh, look what we've done. Uh, but we're boots to the ground, both have families, both struggle with the reality of these things. Um, I just think of number four gadgets that... My daughters, who are really young, have their little tablets, and we're trying to work through the whole gadget principle right now. And um, yeah, it can even be a struggle <laughs> with that. So, just just a word that um, neither one of us are um, achieved all of these. So, yeah, no, that's well said, Stephen. As we roll into number six, I'm looking at the first five. I'm batting about two hundred here, so <laughs> if I'm lucky, so. I love yeah. number six, so it's my favorite. Always a struggle. Yeah, number six, I feel like uh, Stephen and I have, have uh, pretty much, I don't want to say mastered. <laughs> no. We don't. We don't uh, but uh, number six is develop a deeper appreciation for creation. Um, yeah, we're, we're not, you know, living out in a field somewhere, but um, we do enjoy getting out and, and enjoying God's uh, beauty and, and creation. And I think the point is, not that this is the be-all, end-all. The goal is not to be outside as much as possible. The goal is that being outside uh, begins to, to um, grab a hold of us and, and, and uh, God's beauty and creation and wisdom and, and uh, just, you know, the, the, the intricacies of all the, the ways things uh, function and operate around us in his creation and grabs a hold of us and it impresses upon us uh, just a, a general sense of awe for, for God and, and a desire to draw near to him and, and then it trickles down and affects us in, in every other aspect of our lives. So I'm uh, just enjoying uh, uh, the beauty of creation more. Um, 
you know, get outside. <laughs> it's really that simple. Get outside and uh, breathe in the fresh air. Um, I don't care if it's 10 degrees. You can layer, you know. Uh, don't don't hibernate over the winter, but get outside and uh, turn off the screens and, and go just um, get out and, and see some trees, see some birds, uh, right. see some <laughs> green grass blades. You know, it's all part of God's creation. It's all beautiful. All right. Um, yeah, and as to speak a little bit on number six, too, I – Really being out in creation, too, is I really feel like it's a sanctuary experience, um, really being around the things that God has created. And it's probably, for me, uh, uh, I really feel when I'm out in nature, I feel like released from all the stress and anxieties, and you just really just soak in the beauty and the intricacies. I'm pronouncing that wrong. <laughs> intricacies. Intricacies. Thank uh, no, you. No chickies. <laughs> <laughs> I always have a pronunciation problem. So, <laughs> well done. Um, but yeah, I, I just love nature, which is probably the reason why I love doing photography. All right, number seven: avoid unnecessary debt. Um, so this is uh, specifically getting. I would say it's a uh, getting into debt, kind of like. I need the new TV, I need the new couch, or I need the new system or whatever, and I'm willing to go in debt for it, even though you really don't need it. Now, again, we're not here financial advisors up here, <laughs> um, but also, but the, in terms of debt, like house debt, or you have a car debt that, yeah, I need a vehicle. So those sort of debts I would see as okay to a certain degree, right? I mean, you don't wanna bury yourself in car debt or house debt or whatever, or education which I'm still paying off. Um, <laughs> I'll let you know when I pay it all off. So um, I might be 55, 60 years old, but no. Um, but yeah, it's avoiding unnecessary debt, debt that we have con- more or less have more control over. Um, again, like I said, things that we buy more for status symbol than necessity. Um, that, that's definitely a possibility that we we want to get the higher end thing because of what our friends will say and, and instead of getting the thing that just works and that's useful um, so avoiding unnecessary debt yeah an interesting side note on this I don't know if you know but uh, uh, came up in the book that that charging interest uh, was a, a no-no amongst the Israelite people God forbade them uh, from charging interest I believe also to in their relationships uh, with uh, people outside of, of their own nation they were not allowed to charge interest because it was basically a, a slap in the face to the concept of community if somebody needed something you would give it to them you wouldn't give it to them and then also start charging them money uh, for every minute that passes in which they don't return it back to you you know so right. it's becoming commonplace in, in our world a part of the society we live in of course it has a uh, has a place has a purpose um, but uh, I think it's important for us to know the underlying um, concepts behind some of these things that, that we do on a daily basis and and uh, truly question whether they have a place in our lives or at least um, in our relationships with um, fellow believers can, can we not create some sort of separate like sacred uh, set of concepts that apply to our relationships with one another and how we uh, reach out to, to people in need that are, are we're able to shed some of these unhealthy concepts um, that do nothing but make us more like the world and, and less like Christ. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, number eight, we're on number eight, right? Obey, yep. obey Jesus's instruction about plain, honest speech. So this is one of the few things in this uh, whole uh, discipline, this chapter we read that does not have to do with possessions. It's it's about our, our speech, how we interact with people and our relationships with others. In in uh, Jesus' ministry, he said straight up, let your yes be yes, let your no be no. Uh, he called us to avoid flattery, avoid half-truths. Don't use your words uh, in, in a way to manipulate your environment and the people around you to avoid uh, really who you are and, and where you're at and what you're doing. Um, let your yes be yes, your no be no. Let your words uh, speak, uh, you know, full disclosure, uh, who you are, what you're doing, and don't try and uh, butter people up. It's it's really that simple. And uh, w- what it comes back to is, is if we're not living out of that focal point, if it's not really always all about seeking first God's kingdom, 
then we're allowing these other influences in our lives to seep in and they begin to dictate uh, what we say and how we say it and so these these other forces are kind of changing tweaking uh, how we interact and, and relate to the people around us uh, because we can't just be straight up about God's kingdom we have to try to uh, pull in uh, these these other impulses and, and uh, appeal to these other uh, forces that are reaching into our lives. So just let uh, honest and, and straightforward and plain speech. Yes, yes, no, no. All right. And number nine is reject anything um, that leads to the oppression of others. Or um, what he talks about in the book is is rejecting buying anything that we know specifically is is because um the things being made or produces is, is the result of oppression of others um and again I, I our society has done some push on this and that you can um see where things are made see how things are made um and some companies have done a good job at making sure what's produced is done in a fair um, a fair manner, a manner that um, looks at um, how the workers are treated, um, the value of the human being, the value of the right amount of money paid to the person working. Um, so there are companies that really make that um, part of their priority. So what he's saying is that if, and, and I know, especially in America, it's this is something um, I have thought about before. It, it's it's really hard too because. In America, we have there's so many things produced outside of America, um, and we don't always really don't know how people are treated and the factory that it comes from, and um, so it, it can be very very difficult um, to fulfill this one. But I do believe if we have the ability and we and if we do have the knowledge um, of what is happening and how we are receiving these things, I do think we have some a responsibility to. Um, really question it. Um, really question: Should I buy it? Um, and question is: Is this really something that's justified in getting? Um, again, because we live in a society that that has sin and there is corruption, and there's so so much corruption that we don't even see or, or realize or aware of. Um, but at the same time, if we're aware of it, um, making a stand and and um, pushing towards something that is more equitable. Yeah, the big picture concept that I pulled out of this one, um, so much of what we talked about so far is, is about our individual interaction uh, and attitude with the things and people around us. This is, this is uh, systematic, right? Right, this is, right, right. And right. one of the things I've been convicted with really over the last year, uh, in part because of the study that we did here at the church about racism <clears throat> is that my uh, participation in systematic sin is is no less vile and no less of a problem than uh, my individual uh, decisions and, and individual sins and uh, it, it becomes and I, I know to some extent this is uh, not practical it's it's difficult near impossible um, to to avoid all uh, participation right. in all systematic yeah. sin but it really becomes our responsibility uh, if we're going to purchase something we're going to participate in something to understand there are ramifications for what we're doing and how it affects and how it, it, it speaks into the lives of, of other people. It's my job to know that what I'm buying isn't somehow hurting uh, somebody else down the line. And really, even, even bigger picture, we as a, a very affluent nation, the lifestyle, this pampered lifestyle we're used to living, you know, at some point we have to ask ourselves, is just participating in our society, um, is, is it draining the world as a whole of its resources, mm -hmm. of its well-being? Um, right. And and not too many Americans sit around and you know and ponder that keep keep themselves up at night with it. But um, I think it's a real question that we need to consider. Uh, number ten is is simply I think really a sh a, a, a summary a, a summary. <laughs> I keep doing that. I'm, I'm combining what I'm about to say with what I'm what I'm trying to say. Uh, number ten is to to shun anything that distracts you from seeking first the kingdom of God, and it's a summary statement of all the other ones um, that you know anything that is is coming first before our pursuit of God and His kingdom is is just uh, straight up in the way. 
and it needs to be moved and forcibly moved and we need to not just to turn a blind eye to it if if this is really uh the life that we're called to live and it means something to us and god means something to us then uh, we have to make it uh, a priority to get everything else out of the way so uh anything you want to say on that or just want summary statement here steven <coughs> no, I, I think that no, I think that wraps it up really well. Um, I think this is a really good chapter, really com- uh, convicting chapter, um, and I think it really um, reveals a lot of the underpin- underpinnings of our culture mm. in America. And I, and I think uh, I think it's, it's a lot of food for thought, and also just it's more than just uh, <laughs> being convicted, but it's actually making changes. Um, and, yep. I, and I think he makes some really good points uh, of things that we can change. But Yeah, this uh, uh, if I'm being honest, this is one of the spiritual disciplines that I am drawn to more than any other. And sometimes I wonder what's wrong with me. And then, uh, you know, some crazy guy like Richard Foster writes a chapter like this and makes me feel like maybe I'm a little normal. But this, this whole notion of of just uh, shedding uh, things of this world is very intriguing to me because I, I just uh, the idea of freeing myself from that internal wrestling match of is this thing pulling me down or am I really free of it is it uh, is it getting in the way of my relationship with Christ or is it not yeah I just it would be wonderful to just be be done with that and uh, be able to focus 100% on Christ. But the world we live in makes it uh, very, very difficult to do that. But I think it's, if, if I were to have somebody come alongside me and say, hey, let's do this, I, I would be ready 100%, even to the extreme of uh, sharing possessions. And you, people are going to start to think I'm a little off. But uh, sharing possessions, you know, communal living, all of this stuff, I, I know it sounds uh, pretty odd in the world we live in, but... Uh, there's a there's an appeal that it has for me, just this very simplistic way of living, just to be free of all this other stuff and focus 100% on God. I, I see it as like a a permanent partial fast. Uh, this came came to mind for me as I was processing this. It's going back to our, our concept of fasting, uh, but it's this constant lifestyle of of denying ourselves, uh, not to. Not to cause unnecessary pain. God wants us to enjoy the, the beauty of the world that he's created around us. And, and the world is, you know, we're not supposed to withdraw 100%. Uh, the world is good, but um, to, to be able to actually manage um, the, the world and my interactions with it sounds uh, refreshing to me. And I would love to, to um, one day act on some of my convictions and, and move even further towards uh, that, that being reality. So that's kind of where I'm at. This has been a fun conversation, a challenging chapter, uh, but all good stuff. Any final words, Stephen? Or I already asked you that. You already (laughs) shared that, but now I'm putting you on the spot. Like, oh, you want me to say something else? Nope. No more final words. Well, thanks for joining us uh, for the ride, friends. As Stephen said, we don't have this all figured out by any stretch, um, but the conversation still needs to be had, and and we need to think and ponder process this stuff. But we'll be back next week with another Outward uh, Spiritual Discipline and uh, be able to share a little bit more about our experience with it. In the meantime, we hope uh, to be seeing you, interacting with you in in other ways other than this uh, because uh, we miss you and and, uh, we we miss uh, church and and so many aspects of it that have been lacking for so long. So uh, if you're you're able and comfortable, come and join us in in worship at one of the three services. If not, uh, reach out, tell us how you're doing. connect with uh, one of our studies or groups or, or ministries and uh, let's keep on uh, keeping on together and, and uh, um, seek first the kingdom of, of God and his righteousness together. All right take care friends.